Hello everyone and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. So good to be back. Obviously dropping this on a Thursday. We just had to push it back a day because we just had a few things going on in our professional lives, I guess. On today's episode, we've got Tom Robinson and Robert Walls of the It's Just Dinner podcast, who happen to be former, one was a former professor of mine in my undergrad uh, at BYU, and the other one was a professor I worked under while I taught a lab in my master's program. They started a podcast on dating, and it's actually, they do a great job, and they came on, and they graciously uh, accepted my invitation to come on the podcast to talk about their podcast and kind of the ongoings of dating and the little quirks and things like that and just people really in our generation are not dating that much and especially even younger apparently um but before that so brian's not actually in on that interview but before that brian and i do our thing for about the first hour or so and in that hour we talk about we have an interesting discussion on sports and being passionate sports fans and brian brings an interesting perspective when it comes to how he played in college for a college that he had no previous ties to and kind of what that felt like for him we also talk about Pornhub withdrawing their access in Utah, which I hate that we even have to talk about that website, but it was an interesting little story that I thought was worth mentioning. We get into a little bit of NHL, NBA playoffs. We talk about a great Giannis Antetokounmpo quote where he talks about how he wasn't a failure. Um, I talk about a little like nuance behind that. Even though it was a great quote, I did think there were some interesting comparisons that he made. We talk about Steven Crowder and a video that surfaced of him lately, uh, recently, excuse me, kind of berating his wife and the ugly thing that he's going through right now. And then, of course, we get into people we can't be friends with and simple pleasures. I hope you all enjoy today's episode, and we'll catch you all on the other side. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. It, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. What up, Brian guy? How you doing, man? Hi, Harper. How are you? Man, I'm pretty good. Um, how's the, how's the mustache coming as well? Yours or mine? No, mine's not I coming. I can't see in. yours. Yeah, because it's not a thing. I, I walked it back. I thought about it for a sec. Then my, then my social life made me kind of, you know, walk it back. So you, I went with that. You don't have a social life. Semi, sort of. Um... Dude. Oh man! You missed the interview today, so the, I did. I did. However, go ahead. The listeners don't know this yet, but um, you you didn't make it for the dating for. I guess it's called. It's just dinner. The it's just dinner guys, former professors that I either worked with or took classes from at BYU. But it was a fun interview. Um, it's a really cool idea that they have going on right there. Obviously with. Uh, the whole idea of trying to encourage younger generations to date, um, which, funny enough, I kind of fall in that weird sweet spot of I'm a little more in the know of like how that goes and like got an adult-oriented mind where dating really isn't a big deal. So once I figured that out, I feel like, oh gosh, then what are my real problems? Because <laughs> what's preventing me from from going the whole way? Dude, are you muted? 
I am. Don't mute yourself. You're supposed to laugh, laugh at my jokes. That's part of the I didn't report. laugh. You know, you did. I don't though. know why you're thinking I laughed at your joke. I'm hilarious. That's why. <laughs> it's, it's, I didn't laugh, though. Obviously, you, you would I don't know laughed. why you're trying to tell people that I laughed, that I didn't it's, laugh. Instead, I'm just monologuing here to a dead crowd where I'm going to have to be like, ooh, tough crowd. Yikes. Yeesh. <laughs> see? Now you you're trying like not you to can laugh. See me. You, you act like you can see me right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Freaking. You're supposed to be my sidekick, man. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Anyway. All right, I did laugh, okay, but I didn't. It wasn't a loud laugh. It was a, it was a ha ha. Yeah, that's fine. I'll it was a sympathy that. laugh. That's just me working the room a little, you know. <laughs> people I can't be friends with. People that don't give me a sympathy laugh. Hundred <laughs> percent. If you don't give sympathy, laugh. <laughs> laugh at my joke. I actually don't like. I don't like sympathy laughs. If you give me sympathy laughs, it's like no. no that's that's all my dad jokes that I have, or my uncle jokes as I like to call them. I don't give you sympathy laughs I because you guys, I, I, I get zero laughs out of my dad jokes and everybody, especially Casey. Casey hates my dad jokes. But I think they're hilarious. That's what I love about, and they Casey. are hilarious. Casey's yeah. a straight. Shooter. He tells me I'm stupid every time I every time I tell him, but they're hilarious. <laughs> Freaking love it. All right, dude. I, how do you I, how do you get chocolate milk? Wait, how do you get chocolate milk? I don't want. Or where to. do you where do you get chocolate milk from? You've already butchered it. I don't want. I don't know. I don't want to know. Brown cows. Listen, man. I'm <laughs> See, not sure. laugh at my joke. I'm not sure I like sports. I got a new revelation for you. You stop it right now. We all we all know you love sports. So here's the thing: I do, and I grew up with it being a big part of my identity. I don't know if I'm like, like my sports fandom is dwindling quite a bit. I, well, I that's because your team suck. It's a paradigm shift. That's not why. That's not why. That could be part of it. Like, let's be honest. BYU doesn't suck. They they do sometimes and they do in some sports. But overall, like, they're still a, a university we're cheering for. And like, just being being objective and pragmatic here. Have they out, have they been outclassed by Utah the last like fifteen years? Yes, that's a fact. Um, but that doesn't mean they're still not worth cheering for. Like, relative to other schools. Right. Within a certain proximity, yeah, like they could be doing a lot better, but they're still like they've still accomplished some pretty cool things and have done some great things. But there's a paradigm shift brewing for me, which is I don't like the NIL thing is making me realize that mm-hmm. I never should have been as passionate about BYU sports in the first place. Now, what is that? Well, have you seen Fever Pitch? I'm going to bring us back here in a second. Yeah. Have you, I'm sure you have, right? It's a great movie. It's mm-hmm. they do a really good job actually with the whole baseball chick flick thing. Um, there's a line in there, or there's a scene in there where like the Red Sox lose a really big game, like a big series, like, like, like just get swept by the Yankees or something like that is before the playoffs. Cause obviously it's, it's culminates around the 2004 Red Sox breaking the curse and everything. And it's about Red Sox fans. And as a Yankees fan, that is a very watchable movie. It's still really good. It's really well done, but, um, they're at a bar and they're sitting there just like lamenting the loss they're like how is it possible that we got swept and then they look over and they see like johnny damon and a couple other i can't remember who else but a couple other stars for the red sox just yucking it up at dinner in the same restaurant they're in and they're just sitting there like johnny damon best ass in the league listen dude this is gotta gotta edit these things out sometimes man that's when (laughs) you should be muting your mic 
Nope, that's a that's a movie line. I have to quote it. Sorry. I don't want to hear it. Go ahead. Um, And they're sitting there going, we're killing ourselves as fans, and these guys don't even care. They're sitting there yucking it up at dinner, having a good time. What's all this about? And it's hilarious. It's just, it shines a light on this whole thing where it's like, we really are. Like, fandom is irrational. Like, it just kind of is. If you're not just enjoying it just because it's like a nice distraction, it's like, oh, I'm enjoying the competition, which, by the way, is maybe the reason why I like the NFL as much as I do, because I don't generally have like an emotional attachment to any of the teams that I watch and kind of cheer for. But the one emotional attachment I do have is to BYU, and they're having all these guys transfer in and out through NIL stuff, and you're kind of like, these guys don't care at all about BYU. Like, I grew up cheering for BYU. It was blood. It was family. It was a piece of my identity, my upbringing. And now I'm sitting here going, why would I cheer for guys that don't even that can't even relate to that, that play for my school? And one example is this Cody Epps thing. So news just broke. Probably the best returning receiver at BYU, if not tied for first. Like he's he's in, he is a really talented kid. He was actually Bryce Young's receiver um, in in high school in California. And for those not that mm-hmm. don't know, Bryce Young just did he go number one? I think he just went number one yeah. in the draft to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Yep. So he may have gotten overshadowed a little bit by Bryce Young because the talent is real and he was really good. Um, he went to BYU and he's doing really well. Anyway. He announced that he was leaving and going to the transfer portal Sunday, like right before the transfer portal deadline. And BYU fans are freaking out. And then he literally just announced today that he's staying. And he's not actually going to leave. But in this, nice. whole, in this whole, yeah, it was. It was good news for BYU. But I just at the same time, I'm like, why do I care this much? Like, this is kind of ridiculous that that we care this much because – these kids are just saying, like, listen, I got to look out for me and mine. And the worst part is, is that I'm kind of pro NIL in the sense that these kids are adults and they should be able to make money off their own likeness. But right. what it has done is it's completely changed the dynamic of college sports and what loyalties even mean and how the kids are tied to the university. I mean, Slovis, BYU's quarterback, is on his third school. And BYU has a lot of players just like that. And you're like, this, why do I cheer? for somebody who chose BYU the third time around that much. And what's even funny, and I know I'm going on this long, long rant, but what's even funnier is that one of my favorite BYU athletes of all time, and I've gone on record before on this podcast, that I am gay-some for Tay-some Hill. And Taysom Hill, to me, was like this amazing – like I loved how he represents BYU. He was an athlete we're cheering for. He was just so fun to watch. He BYU was literally his second choice. He had already committed to Stanford, to Jim Harbaugh, goes on a mission. Jim Harbaugh then gets a head coaching position at the 49ers, and Taysom Hill's like, well, I guess I'm not going to go to Stanford anymore. So he goes to BYU as a default. And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, like, this guy's amazing. I love him. I love cheering for him. But it's like it was – it was one Jim Harbaugh decision away from him never going to BYU and never being a BYU Cougar. And it's like, why have I ever attached my identity so much to players like that? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, so from the athlete perspective, right? And this was back when I was in college, right? I went to three different schools. Hated the fact that I went to Cal State Northridge, right? It was not a good situation. Came back to CSN, needed to play a year, didn't want to sit out a year, so didn't go D1, 
right? So I go, I'm, I had the opportunity to go to junior college, played there, and then transfer out to South Carolina. Not all okay. trajectories are created equal. Like when I make right. the slowest I, comparison, because he goes from USC to Pitt to BYU. Now him leaving USC made yeah. sense because Caleb Williams is a big overhaul. But then he goes from to Pitt, a huge program, and then goes to BYU. And that's that's way different than you, JUCO, all that community college, right. yeah, yeah. D1. Right. So obviously we can't lump everybody in the same situation, right? However, when it came to name, image, likeness, I wasn't able to cash in on those things, right? Like at that point, once I got to South Carolina, Bryce was already a prospect. He was already signed with Under Armour, right? Like by all means, I could have easily stepped right in into any of those commercials and been, you know, hey, you know, being a sponsor, the fact that South Carolina was also Under Armour school, right? Like all the credits of these guys for able to, like, I mean, shit, uh, LeBron's kid is in the new uh, Fast and Furious yeah. commercial. Yeah, that is wild. Right? Like, yeah. Candace Parker's daughter's in a uh, commercial with her, right? Like, it's so cool to see this, um, the fact that these kids are cashing in on that, right? As they and should. family like, ties and things like that. And, and as they should. As, right? a, as a believer However, in capitalism it, and the legal standpoint, right. I, I think this is all fair. Yeah. Now, are you not upset the same way coaches do this, right? Like that was the biggest argument when they introduced this name image likeness, right? Because these coaches are able to use these smaller schools, right? Use the lower level D1s as springboards to the higher level, right? Like they're able to go in, do two years, prove that they can win at this this school, and then they go to a big a big name, you know, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big uh, Pac-12 school, right? And that's exactly what these kids are kind of doing as well. Now it, the the money right is is where it's at, right? And I had a I had a friend I was talking to about uh, about the same topic last week, uh, but how it's ruining college sports because there's it's only individuals now, right? It's like oh well, I'm getting the, I'm getting paid this much to go here. Sure, I'll go play here. I don't care. Like if we win or lose, I'm still going to get paid. And, you know, we're good to go. So you still don't have that team aspect, which you should have in college sports, because at the last, like, relating it to baseball-wise, like, once you graduate college, there's zero team aspect inside the minor league system. You don't get that team aspect until you get to the big leagues. And a lot of people don't get that big league experience. Um, NFL might be a little bit different, but at the same time, like it's still, Hey, I got to go out and do my thing. That's why you see wide receivers complaining like, Hey, I need to get the ball more, right? I have clauses in my contract. Give me the ball. I need to get targeted this amount of times. I need to make this amount of uh, catches. I need to make these amount of touchdowns. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying with not having loyalty to the program. However, as soon as I think you're looking at the worst side of it as opposed to being these guys are here now. Like who's to say they're not bought in. You know what I mean? So tell me like, what that looks like. And I, and you bring an amazing perspective in all this, by the way. So what does that look like? I guess when it comes to, you don't have any affiliation with South Carolina previous to being recruited there, mm-hmm. but then you're recruited there. You go visit and at what point does the buy-in take place and what does the buy-in feel like from your perspective? So the buy-in literally happened when I was at the Florida 
Florida came in, played them at, at uh, williams Bryce Stadium football, and I was bought in immediately. Hearing those fans, seeing seeing the you know game day stuff. Those were the Spurrier um, days, by the way, weren't they? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, those were Spurrier days, and also it was Tim Tebow's last year as well. So seeing Tim Tebow play, seeing um, Brandon Spikes play, seeing like there were some monsters being down on the field while Florida's warming up, and these dudes are running past. It. I was like, oh, like I'm. I'm not a small dude by any means, no. right? I'm not. I'm not very thick, but like you're freaking six. I'm six, six foot five, and and five. The, yeah, these dudes are walking by like I'm nothing. Like what? <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I was immediately bought in. I I didn't know the history of of South Carolina. Like you, the University of South Carolina didn't like know too much about it. But again, when I am committed to something and doing something right, you better believe I'm going to do full research and, you know, understand that they were a former ACC school. Like who's, who's their biggest rival, you know, being Clemson, right? Okay. Well, I immediately hate them, right? Like, sure. Let's do it. You know what I mean? I understand that dynamic immediately. Just like I'm sure everybody that goes in BYU, like, Hey, we don't like Utah, right? It's like, it's split, split state here, right? It's either red or blue. Um, and, you know, I got guys can buy in quick, right? It's, it's just a matter of whether or not they're going to, you know, and if, if they do, then I think you'll see them just being a good teammate, right? Like that, I think that's the biggest buy-in, right? Is buying into the team that you're on. And if they're just more concerned about themselves and, you know, all of a sudden they're on offense and, you know, say it's a wide receiver, he's not getting targeted. He's going down, slam his helmet, you know, sitting on the bench and pouting, Right. Like, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think Sataki's going to let that happen. Right. I think he has a good, a good culture that's around the program and things like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think these guys will buy in just because they are, they enjoy being part of a team and things like that. And, you know, I think, uh, I think you'll, I think you'll be okay, bud. No, I mean, no, I, no, I'll be okay, but it's an interesting, uh, did, did, did I talk you off the ledge? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I'm still gonna cheer for <laughs> you. Like, I'm like, I'm, right? They're not losing me as a fan, but the passion. Really it it has it has changed. Little. It has changed. You're 100 percent right, right? Like it it has changed the aspect, but I think it's more or less changed at the bigger schools, man. Like, I think we saw it in in March Madness this year, right? Like these smaller schools were able to use these transfer portals. Yeah, that's to bring true. in guys. That's the good right? side. Right? Like it. that's March that's the so coolest thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, football, you're still going to have your powerhouses, but like those, those second and third team players, right. I don't think you're going to be second or third team teams, right? Like Alabama's second team, right? Like they could put, they could go to another university, the entire second team from Alabama and go and compete. Right. But because they're younger, right. They're not, they're not playing right now. They have a guy in front of them, whatever it may be. Right. But I think you're going to see the fact that Alabama may not have a third team as much anymore as they used to, right? Like, I remember one year when they had um, who's, uh, Henry, Derek Henry. Derek Henry was a freshman, right? But in front of him was Trent Richardson, and in front of him was Melvin Ingram, right? Marvin. Like, you had this whole... Right mini- uh, Melvin. It wasn't Melvin, no. Mark, Mark, Mark Ingram. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, Ingram. Mark. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and when I said so you Marvin, had, you now, had I this like... Yeah, you had junior, sophomore, and freshman, right? But 
you're telling me that if 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 Henry wasn't happy after that first year, right? Who's to say he's not going to transfer out of there 100%. with the NILs, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, hey, dude, you said they said that you were going to come in and, and get some snaps. You've gotten five snaps on the year, right? Like, and then all of a sudden you're coming back your sophomore year, and they still like Richardson in front of you. You know, who's to say you don't go to another school because you're able to transfer out? You know, and then you get more money on the back end too. No, it is so fun. there is, yeah. it's just like all over the place, you know. It, it's kind of funny. I, like I said, I, I think that they'll be bought in once they get on campus and, you know, if they can get part of that culture as as quick as possible. Well, Team who, culture, seemed, not. who seemed the most nervous for the NIL stuff to unroll? The smaller schools by I, far. I would disagree. I but, almost would say Nick Saban did. Oh, yeah. But I... But see, I think that's and the new. I think the smaller rules, schools were more more like worried because they don't have the money and the boosters to be able to support that, right? Yeah, but before they weren't getting those guys anyways. Now the top, yeah. right? The cream, yeah. Like the the top is going to be more competitive. But again, at the end of the day, who would you rather play for? It doesn't matter how much your money you're making, right? You could make three times three x what you're making at Alabama, right? But who's going to get re- you ready for the next level? Who's gonna Who's gonna give you an, a a chance to win a national championship? That's dude. That's a right? good point because that well, like, that Rashada it's, it's the dude, Texas A and M. You remember it's hearing about Texas that Rashada A&M quarterback, example. the kid that went to Miami, uh-uh. and he like he he was basically just dangling his his talent. He was the biggest recruit in who knows how long. Quarterback Rashada from California somewhere, I think. Um, and Miami ends up getting him because they're promising him like ten million dollars in NIL deals. Well, guess what? Go figure. They don't follow through with that, and he doesn't even have that great of a year. And all of a sudden, he's at Arizona State, not even sure he's going to get the starting position. Because if you're making more of these decisions from a business perspective now, then it may not come out as a dividend long term to actually make it to the league. So you do have a good point there. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, some good no, thoughts. That's, on that's that, a man. that's a quality conversation. Yeah, quality really conversation. Right there. You brought a great yeah. perspective, man. Yeah. So appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I I, I do love college sports. I, I have always loved college sports more than professional side. Um, you know, it's just in you know college basketball is just so much more entertaining to me. Um, college football is the same way. Is it you because know, the passion just, is a little more authentic? Ah, uh, I don't know. I think it's yeah, and I also think it's more the the kids are trying to prove something. Right. Like these, these are 19 sure. to 20, you know, three year old kids that are trying to prove something that they can play at the next level. And, yeah. you know, it's just that, that passion is there. And I think that's why I brought up the, it doesn't matter how much money you're making and who you want to play for because of the Texas A&M situation, right? Like mm. coming in to SEC media days last year, they were top out of everybody, right? Because they, the donors at A&M are just stupid amount of you know money that go there and nick Samad you know brings this up to dava or to uh, jimbo fisher and it's just like you know jimbo fisher's like you know crimea river type stuff but mm-hmm. at the end of the day how did texas a&m finish and how did alabama finish right yeah. like and at the end of the day that's all that matters so yeah. i i i could be making you know a 100 bucks at alabama but you better believe if i was a prospect and i'm like i could go play for alabama you better believe i'm gonna be there for sure you know what i mean 
So, That's, and just, just using those two teams as, as an example, you know, like Ohio state's in there, Michigan's in there, right? right? Like right, all right. of these teams, you know, um, that can easily do it. Now, and I think BYU is going to have a advantage because they do have a high quality amount of alumni that have, you know, some connections, especially going into the big 12 now, you know, because there's BYU is not just a Utah based fandom, no, right? national. like it's, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a national fandom. So the fact that, you know, these al- not even alumni, but maybe just members that are living in Texas, right. They want to see BYU, uh, you know, just being fans and they want to see BYU beat up on, on the big 12 teams that they, you know, are living in and around. And, you know, so I, I think it's going to kind of open the door, the fact that they are not going to be independent anymore and going to the big 12. So at least you have those other areas that they can go in and recruit and do, and do their thing. So it's well, very, BYU was always a very much a Notre Dame recruiting or, a, or a Stanford recruiting type aspect, right? They kind of grab from everywhere. Um, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think being able to recruit inside the big 12 country area, it's, you know, it's, it's only going to help them. So well, to your point, too, J- Ryan Smith being an alum, he came under yeah. fire from a bunch of Utah fans, specifically Utah Jazz, like Utah Jazz and University of Utah fans, because they're like, what's going on here? Our owners <laughs> propping up BYU, because apparently he's tied to like big NIL deals potentially through BYU, but yeah. of course he is. He's not. He's well, he, he was my main example of being the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the major, major, you know, donor that can easily come in and bring. And it's, is it not all tax write-offs as well, right? Charitable donations? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a, people don't get rich for, for being idiots, right? Like that's, unless you, unless you just hit the, you know, mega millions or, you know, lottery, you know, but at the same time, it's, you know, you kind of, kind of got to have a brain on your shoulders to, to get and keep and, you know, build wealth. So for sure. Well, I wasn't actually planning on doing that for like, 10, 15 minutes, but I actually am with you. I thought that was a pretty good conversation. Changing subjects. This is something I thought was interesting in the last couple of days that, that came out. Apparently, so Utah, the state of Utah passed like this interesting bill about age verification on pornography websites. So porn, okay. so yeah, Pornhub, yeah. the site, which is like the most well-known pornographic site. I hate that we even have to talk about them. Um, on the podcast, but they're the most well-known probably around the world. And they actually said for, they, they withheld their site from the state of Utah because they think it's a bad bill. They think it's a bad law. And they're saying, even though they oh, should te- no. yeah, exactly. They're like, no, we're, <laughs> we're not allowing you to view our site and you need to, you need to talk to your representatives to get them to change this bill and everyone on Twitter is just like, oh, yeah, call our bluff. We dare you. And it's like kind of hilarious fallout. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time till they make it accessible again. In fact, it may already be up. I don't know. But people were sharing screenshots. <laughs> you don't want to where, search it real quick? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. But <laughs> um, Oh, it's fine. You're still in Vegas. <laughs> but like their argument – yeah, yeah, good to know. Their argument is basically – like they want they like Utah saying we need age verification to be more stringent in order to access mm-hmm. these sites, which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and Pornhub's like no, because that way it'll make it so 
I don't even know what their argument is. I, th- I think I read some some uh, screenshot that somebody threw up on Twitter. There was something that they said about how it actually hurts in the long run. I don't. You can make any argument you want. The mental gymnastics behind that what? is beyond me. But yeah, some something part yeah. of their argument, and it's just it's really stupid. But it was a really kind of funny thing where it's like, yeah, cool. We we won't miss you. See you later. Peace. Yeah. So. Along the same lines, have you seen the national bill that is trying to limit it or limit the um, youth from using social medias? Have you have you seen that? Well, TikTok. So this right. is a well, yeah, obviously TikTok, but every all the other social media platforms as well. Um, and it's it's co-sponsored by Democrat and Republican, right? Both sides are you know have full support on this. Bill. I believe it's yeah. I believe bipartisan. There you go. Thank you. Um, and it. I believe is in the house right now, but they're talking about having, you know, age verification with the youth and they have to either have it approved through a, a parent, right. That is a, that is age approved as well. Um, but the big argument was the government outreach or the government, you know, overreach into these private companies of, you know, because it, it to, in order to do the age verification, they they were going to have to submit or scan their IDs um, and prove that they are who they are for that specific site. And then, you know, um, if you have youth that want on, then they have to go through, you know, get approval from a parent type thing, um, which I understand the government outreach because I, I don't think that they should have any part in the private sector when it comes to anything, because I am very fan of a small government, like, you know, minimize yeah. everything when it comes to that stuff. Um, but at the same time, I kind of agree with this because I know how toxic, you know, social media can be right. Like it's, it's very, it's, it's, you know, the great and spacious building in my opinion sometimes, right? Like it can be very yeah. good. Right. And and I see both sides, right. It can be very good. And we've actually talked, um, since I've added on Latter-day takes, um, profile onto my phone and how much more positive my discovery page is on my personal page. Um, and I think that's a very cool aspect of it because it can be a very positive and uplifting thing. However, if you're falling, you know, negative and you know very you know oh look at me type stuff right it can be very yeah like it can be very you know it can create insecurities or you know depressions anxieties things like that well i don't have a good life as as so-and-so you know i'm not as as good looking as so-and-so you know i need to go to the gym and work out it's just like it can be it can be compounded onto onto so many different things so you know i i'm kind of in favor of it but again, I, I hate the fact that I would actually have to, you know, scan my ID into it. But again, it's, I act like the government doesn't have my information. So, yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm like you, generally speaking, I'm, I'm small government, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm not no government. And I'm, yeah. when it comes to children, especially I'm all for it because I think yeah. this is a protection mechanism for children. And when it comes to go- governments coming in, stepping in, and this is where I was on the abortion thing, like I believe that those are babies and I believe we need to protect them. So if you think that's government overreach, then fine, but I'm for it. And that doesn't mean I'm mm-hmm. no government. I'm just small government. And this is one component of small government that I'm absolutely for because these kids are being inundated, like we, you said, 
uh, with these images and with this with this narrative that life is supposed to look a certain way and it has this compounding effect. It leads to depression, it leads to mental health issues and even suicide. And yeah. when they're that vulnerable And it's a gateway and it's a gateway to the the porn hubs and the you know Oh yeah, absolutely the hundred percent. Right? Like and we we I me and you have talked about that personally. Yeah. Like it's very it can be very much a a transition drug, right? Like Oh, well, I want to see more, right? Like, let yeah. me go in on the internet and, and see if I can see more of what I like, you know? Well, so, and the yeah. crazy thing is that we grew up with, you know, having those, literally, they put like those plastic blinder things on the checkout aisle in some grocery yeah. stores because it would be like Victoria's yeah. Secret the Playboys. or Maxim yeah, yeah. Yep. and things like that. Yep. And the kids now are growing up with the girls they know at school posting those pictures like at like if they were on the front right. of Maxim magazine and these girls that they see yeah. every day going to school are just like showing off their bodies like that and it's like oh my gosh like instagram has turned into victoria's secret for my own community and that that is yeah. an insane it's very, thing it's, to think it's about. hypersexualized 100% yeah. yeah and you're right the gateway drug is huge there and i mean think about it we've all heard this and i i've never actually seen the documentary i can't remember what it was called but it was on social media and just kind of like how detrimental it can be for everyone not just children but children being the most vulnerable obviously the like the majority of founders and social for social media sites platforms like facebook the, Twitter, so, the social dilemma i think that was it yeah i think it is they all on, said on netflix they don't let their kids use it yeah like, doesn't that kind of tell you everything and, you need and, to know right and that's what it comes down to as well right like the government may be having this overreach however it's making sure that the kids that don't have the parents that are, you know, in their lives and, and making sure that these kids are making the right decision, at least somebody is right. Like, and that's, I, and I, I kind of agree with that as well. Right. Like you don't, you don't want a big brother, but at the same time, like if it's there, like we, we kind of need to use it, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, it's just, I, like I said, I see both sides of it, but in, in, in my opinion, I'm, I'm kind of for it, you know, regardless of, you know, it being a, a government overreach or not. So, yeah. Pretty wild. Call your local representatives. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what else you got? Um, I don't, or, what, I don't have you anything on, for One of my topics. Playoffs. I know you had some stuff. Yeah, let's get into. Oh yeah, stuff. I mean, Golden Knights advance, which was which was awesome. Um, big big upset in in uh, Boston Bruins going down to the Florida Panthers. Um, but yeah, it's they they had this question on first take the other day. Uh, it was actually it was actually Stephen A. Smith interviewing Snoop Dogg. It was actually yesterday, um, but it was so funny. They did like a quick five, quick five questions or whatever it was. And, and Molly, the, uh, female, uh, host of it, right. The lead, the lead host. Um, she asked them like, which one's better NBA playoffs or NHL playoffs. And, and <laughs> Snoop goes, Oh, NHL, man. He's like, I, I do that hockey. So he's, uh, he's, he just got, uh, part he just got to be part of a, a team that's trying to buy the um, Ottawa Senators and be the first 
black majority owner of the team and then it snoops on it with with a couple other guys um but yeah that'll be interesting to see if that goes through and whether or not they can get that sale for it um but yeah he's it was so funny so yeah i i love the nhl playoffs i've watched you know it's more background noise for the most part if the golden knights aren't playing but i just i i mean shoot the the stars um the stars cracking game last night Stars start or Kraken's up four to two after the first, which is absurd. The six goals in, in in the first period. Nobody scored in the second. It, going into the third, uh, Joe Pavelski, who former longtime Shark, like Shark for Life type stuff, he's been floating around, but comes back from an injury yesterday for the game. He scored the first two goals in the first. He scored the next two. He scored all four goals for the Dallas Stars last night. Uh, Kraken end up winning in, in overtime, but oh my gosh, such a good game. His fourth goal too, bro. A centering pass from, from the boards hits off the defenseman's stick floats up and Joe Pavelski bats it in <laughs> like he's bunting it over the right, far right shoulder. Yeah. Far right shoulder. Cause it's coming this way. Far right shoulder of, of the goaltender into the top right corner where mama hides the cookies. That's hilarious. Top shelf where mama hides, hides the cookies. Uh, so yeah, no, I love it. Um, obviously the NBA is still going on as well. Lakers advanced. They beat, uh, golden state last night. Um, the bucks went down the, uh, uh, Celtics end up pulling out their series against the Hawks. Uh, 76ers are rolling. Um, they end up going in Boston last night and beating them. Um, that was pretty and, wild. That was two nights ago, but that was yeah. pretty wild. Or two nights and ago, yeah. The fact that seventy yep. six without Embiid, who without made, Embiid, who's MVP, MVP. also he did, did he get it for he did. officially? He did. Oh, I didn't. Yep. He, he won it yesterday. Yeah, that was officially announced yesterday. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So, and he's he's supposed to be coming back for game two tonight. Um, but yeah, so it's like I said, April, the start of playoffs for NHL and NBA, both starting in April. You know, it's just. It's such an amazing, amazing month. And now into May with, you know, uh, second rounds and, you know, some good matchups and everything. So we are in the nice I'm excited to see what happens. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, Vegas can manhandle the Oilers and Mr. Connor McDavid, the, the, uh, boy one, the once former boy wonder of, of the Oilers now is a full grown man, but yeah, it uh, should, should be a good series. Uh, speaking of the NBA real quick, there's two things I want to cover. Did you hear about Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies? Yes. The Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies. not wanting to re-sign him. They were like, we yes. don't care where you go, but you're not with us anymore, no matter what. They, like, kicked him off the team, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was a team option, I think, in his contract, and they're just like, yeah, you're done. You're not – You're not. there's no way we're re-signing yeah. you. Like they said, there's no world that exists in which we're re-signing, which is like – Wow, he might literally be public enemy number one now in the NBA. Yeah, and it kind well, of it's, makes it's sense. The whole, it's the whole Patrick, Patrick Beverly thing, right? But everybody everybody seems to like Patrick Beverly because he keeps getting jobs. Well, but, he seems like a great teammate. Dylan Brooks might actually be a crappy teammate too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know who is uh, Dylan Brooks's. Uh, Number one fan, right? Quote unquote, number one fan. No, Casey Sato. Oh my! Casey gosh. Sato loves him some Dylan Brooks. What? That's being very sarcastic, by the way. Oh, is that right? Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. 
I was like, that makes no sense. I was like, he played at Oregon. No, he hates Dylan Brooks. Of all time that I've ever yes. seen against Utah. <laughs> yes. He, yeah. he loathes that man. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you're Memphis, you're pissed, right? Because he, he called out Braun, right? And Braun was like, all right, dude. Yeah. Right. We'll see. Which I and, hate LeBron. I mean, they, Honestly, they, I hate LeBron I, I, so much. I'm that... not the biggest fan, but it's like it. I mean, to real respect, real right. It's like, dude, like you, you, you poked the bear, and you should not have done that. Yeah, like, he's he's one of the goats for a reason, right? He was one of the Mount Rushmores for a reason. So, like you, you screwed that one up. So, yeah, I'd I'd be pretty pissed as, if I were Memphis too. Um, but yeah, so I did see that. The other one. <laughs> The other big one okay. I wanted to pull up. Did you hear the Giannis quote? Oh, about uh, us trying hard, basically, right? Like, it, this season wasn't a failure, uh, regardless of us going out in the first, things like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to play it real yeah. quick so we can re-listen to it. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. And then we'll talk about it. Okay, because I'm not a doctor. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get the promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next. That's the gist of it. What are your immediate thoughts on that? I saw you nodding along. So I loved it. I loved it to begin with, right? Because he's 100 percent right. Like they, Milwaukee didn't have Giannis. Right, like he wasn't, he wasn't playing. He was hurt. Like it sucked. Right. You I mean, really he, think he that? Literally, just to clarify, so that the listeners that aren't maybe the most in tune, he literally did play, and he he was just playing injured, and he wasn't himself. Yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah. So he's a hundred percent right. Like they still had a great year. He had a great year. Right. Like team were one year. seed in the East. They they, they got beat. Right. Like that, that's, it, it's not a failure in general. It's a failure because the media and the public think it is because they were the number one seed and they should, you know, they should win it. Right. But at the same time, like, so, and he said it, it, like, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Right. Like it's still not a failure in my opinion. Right. It's somebody else's turn to win it. However, the saying from Bull Durham, right. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes it rains, hmm. right? Like, that's 
that's a typical like statement in, in a baseball clubhouse, right? Um, just because you you can go out and play the next day, right? It sucks that you lost, but it's, you know, it's not like they didn't try, right? And I think that's the biggest thing that what he's saying is like, it. it's not like we just came out here, rolled over and, and just wanted to lose these games. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, I, I loved it in general because he did, you know, he did like, what do I want to say? He did like go to bat for his team, right? And being like, hey, it's not a failure, guys. Like, it's okay. It just wasn't our year. It's like, we had a great year last year, like, and this year we just didn't do it. You know, there's nothing we can do, right? There's no reason to hang our heads, right? Hold your heads up high. We had a great year. We did our best, you know, and at the end of the day, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes it rains. So I have two takeaways. My first one, and when I first heard the quote, I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's that's something every kid should hear. Basically saying that there's more to life than sports, and that's 100% true. Exactly. And, like, long-term, you, you, you don't need to let this define who you are as a person. You know, you and I, like, as much as we have our hobbies and interests and everything, but for what really brings us together and what what's gets us going every day is the gospel, right? Is our relationship with Christ yeah. and God. Um, and I love that part. However, the other side, my other takeaway is Giannis has solidified himself as second tier to guys like MJ and Kobe, right? Oh, that is a hot take. I don't think so. I don't think that's that hot of a take. <laughs> Maybe it is. And I'm okay with that. If, if people think so, it's just because, 100% MJ would say. Now, it's not the fairest comparison, right? You wouldn't mm-hmm. say those other nine seasons are a failure for MJ. Of course you wouldn't because he wasn't always a one seed in those seasons. But MJ being a one seed in the Eastern Conference would 100% say losing in five games to the eight seed Miami Heat is a failure. But Nobody is, would disagree is Michael with that. playing. That's what I'm saying, though, right? Is Michael playing? If Michael's playing, he's expecting 100% from himself. And I think that's another right. difference between the two. Okay. I, I, I like Giannis, for the record, I do. And I think his talent is unbelievable. I really like him. I really like what he said. And I, and I think he's right. Like, basically, it's a failure. Like, he didn't say this, but what I extracted was it's a failure if you don't learn anything. Like, these are all steps to becoming mm-hmm. better. Totally agree. That's kind of the atomic habits approach to life, and I love it. Yeah. But MJ it, in, it, it would kind of disagree with that to some degree, right? He would say, yeah, okay. if, if I was a one seed and I lost in the first round to the eight seed and five games, yes, I would say that's that was a failure. And he would take most of the blame. Yeah. I, I get where you're saying that, right? Because Kobe would say the exact same thing. Kobe would. Right, because he he would expect more. And I that's get what those that. Made, However, that made those guys different, and that's my point. And I'm right. not saying that that makes Giannis any less of a person or an athlete, but it does make him less of a competitor. Oh, see, I don't uh, – mm, I, I don't think – I don't think it takes away from his competitive nature. He's still very, very competitive, but at the same time, is he not being a realist when it comes to this, right? Like, yeah, he a hundred percent probably wanted to say, yeah, it was a failure, but that means that because he didn't play, he's placing the blame on his teammates, right? Like 
he sat out game two and three. He played game one. He played game five, I believe. I don't even know I if the game he played, came back for game four. four. And five, I thought. Okay, so four and five. But again, he's not 100%. He's not. No, I, right? and, I, like, and, I, and that's The fair. team knew that. He knew that. His team knew that, right? Like, dude, when you lose your captain, like, that's tough, right? Like, the Lakers weren't the same without Kobe. The Bulls weren't the same without LeBron, or without Jordan, right? Like, as much as the Lakers aren't the same without LeBron, right? The 76ers aren't the same without Embiid. No, I, right? I, as much as it, with them winning. So that you're game, saying this, you remember, put, put your, put yourself in, in, in Giannis's shoes, right? If, because he didn't play the whole series, right? And even when he did come back, they didn't, he, it didn't have a hundred percent of him, right? They lose that series. If he goes in and says, this series is a failure. That entire clubhouse is now taking it. Well, we all failed, right? He's putting the blame on us. No, you, n- like, not necessarily. Like, he could like, put the blame on himself. I think uh, MJ would do that. Essentially, what you're saying is that if MJ did the same thing and if he was injured for a series, he would come out and say, I'm not a failure. I think he still would. Now, for the record, he played one, four, and five. So he did miss games two and three. Not that I disagreed okay. with that. I just wanted to confirm that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think if you put MJ in his shoes, he's saying differently, and that's what makes him a different type of competitor. I think I think it's just the context of it, right? Because I don't if think it's just that, man. Like I said, I like I said, if you're placing the blame, if you're saying that the season was a failure and you didn't play in that series, right? But one game, really, right? He played in game one. That's basically it. Right, as much as you want, like as as he did play in Game Four and Game Five, he wasn't the same guy. No, I agree. Right? I, I do he's agree limping, with that. Right? Like he literally yeah. played in one game. So, but MJ lose, would never say we. I was injured. He would never say uh, I was injured. That's why. That's why. And Giannis. No, we all know he's injured. Yeah, Giannis was injured. We all know that. And right, but like, like Giannis is. But we're not talking about his injury. Exactly. That's why he doesn't want to put the blame on the team because he. We all know he was injured, right? If he's if he's going, yeah, t- this season's a failure. I didn't play in this series. My team's a bunch of failures. No, that you get what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be one or the other. If he, but that binary. Yes, that if he says that, if he says that, that's exactly what it means. No, he could absolutely be like, I failed my team. He's like, I I should have come I out. My, I, mean, I, I was and I was hurt, but I should have played. I should have been more productive, regardless or whatever. Like. But also, we all know that he was hurt and he couldn't be 100%. So you put the blame on the team if you say the team. And I'm just saying, the, MJ, I feel like, handles it differently. I just feel like we're talking doesn't. in circles right now. Yeah, we kind of are. That's true. But I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> we're going to. I'm, I'm right. You're wrong. Get out of here. <laughs> what say? Big news out of the Harper household. Lil Bro's back. So excited for him. Uh, came back yesterday. Ended up going over three. I don't. I don't think he had another AB uh, in the later in. He might have went over for four, um, but I only watched his first three ABs, so I don't know if he went over four or not. Um, but so excited! 160 days after Tommy John surgery, the man is not human. It's crazy to even see the fact that he came back so quickly. Fastest in MLB history coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, oh, he had. He was over four with uh the uh hat trick uh strikeouts over three uh over four uh yeah so but 
Uh, to to explain to our back. listeners, that means he struck out his first three at-bats. The four, he just grounded out? Or... No, no, he, ground, he grounded out in the second A.B. Struck out. Oh, out, I thought it was in a row. Strikeout. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but he did have the hat trick and strikeouts, so he had three of them. So, um, but no, it'll. Uh, I'm super pumped for him. Obviously, Philly. He's in LA right now. Um, last game of the series today, um, Wednesday, and this Philly is going to be a madhouse this weekend, bro. With the yeah. 76ers coming to town, that's true. The the and Phillies are back, good. right? With, with 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 the bro, right? Like it's I'm I'm so excited. I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. So that is cool. The Bell, um, our Citizens Bank, right? Citizens Bank, yeah. Pack Bells in in Pitt, yeah. Citizens Bank is gonna be rocking. So I'm very excited for him. Like I said, I'm I'm just you know so so excited. So cool. But so, that is cool, dude. Congrats to your bro. That's awesome to see. Uh, amazing! The technology for surgery has gotten that well, and also it does say something yeah. about his. And it's even it's even increased. And and I'm I'm actually glad glad you brought that up because it's increased from when I had it. I had it back in 2016, um, and the way mine tore off, it tore a piece of the bone with it, so it was like frayed. There was some one little one little thread still sticking to the bone, but everything else kind of tore off with it. Bryce's tear was more in the meaty part, so it it like. It gets bigger. It's almost like a um, cornucopia type shape, right? Okay. Where really yeah. tiny, and then kind of gets big. So his his tear was in that bigger piece of of the uh, the ulnar collateral ligament, which is your funny bone. So anytime you hit your funny bone, you'll you know exactly what it feels like when you uh, tear your Tommy John throwing. Ooh. Yeah. So that same feeling down in the pinky and, and the ring finger, that exact same feeling. Um, but what they did is they actually went in sewed that piece of the ligament up, right? Then put a reinforcing mesh that they've used in knees and ankles and wrists into the elbow. And this has only happened within the last two, two to three years um, that they're actually putting it at elbows now. And then took the ligament that they got from his wrist. So you're, you're born with two ligaments in your wrists and you can kind of see how mine only has one now, right? Mm-hmm. There's that, there's an almost an indentation of where it's at. That's where mine was. And they can go in and take that, they go and retie it into the holes where the ligament actually attaches. Um, so Bryce's is basically reinforced three times because it has the original one that's repaired, the mesh that's over top of it, and then the new ligament on top of it. So it's literally three times as strong um, in inside there. So, yeah, I'm super excited, like I said. But, yeah, you're Which, 100% right. The, the technology and advancement on, you know, these surgeries, it just keeps getting better and better and better. So I... I don't know if we'll see this quick of a bounce back um, out of position players more often now that that, that they've seen the success in, in Bryce's. But, you know, speaking, I mean, the word of wisdom is real, man. Yeah. Let's like, put a pause on that for a second because we can, because you're going to do okay. your spiritual segment, right? Uh, I guess you don't have to. I mean, talk I can, I can talk about that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'll, that, that can easily be mine. So, okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Cause you brought that up in a different context before, which is very cool. So let's save that for the very end and it will just be you because I did ask, uh, Robert and Tom how they study. And I was curious about that. So we got mm-hmm. a little bit into that. I didn't really share a ton of my own, but it was just good. And just for the sake nice. of time, but we'll, we'll, we'll put a plug in that for a second. Cause I want to talk one more thing. Uh, outside of sports, and then I want to get into people we can't be friends with because I got one I'm super excited about. And then 
I got a simple pleasure too. I'm going to share it. But do you know who Steven Crowder is? I know the name. He's the guy that's famous for those memes that are like such whatever. I mean, it became a meme, but it was something that he started, which was something, something, something changed my mind. And he was like, I was sitting there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew what you're talking about. Yep. Well-known conservative commentator. The dude has lost his mind. I'm convinced. And I I actually said this a few months ago because the Daily Wire thing, like Daily Wire offered him $50 million for four years to be a part of their whole network. And he said no because they're not doing enough to stand up to big tech. had something to do with like when YouTube videos get demonetized, like is Daily Wire going to – gonna like supplement those costs essentially and daily wire was like no we won't but granted they were ready they were willing to negotiate and instead of negotiating back and forth with them he like recorded a conversation and then he just tried to expose them as being in with big tech or promoting that or not doing to stand enough to stand up to that and he used it to promote his new platform that he's going to which is rumble Anyway, it was a whole mess, and I'm looking at this guy throughout this whole process, and I'm like, he doesn't even seem like himself anymore. Not to say that he was ever fully stable, because he was always kind of a little crazy, I think. And now it just came out that he's going through an ugly divorce, and he first said some things where he was like, you know, things are things are really ugly. Please keep my family out of it. Like, let this be personal. And then a video leaked of him essentially berating his wife outside their house like abusing her emotionally. And it was just this weird situation where he was like, you're going to leave me here without a car while you go do this. And she's like, yeah, I have to go and I need some space from you. And like, they're just having this back and forth and he's like dropping F bombs on her and stuff. Like it was like super ugly and it's, and it seemed super manipulative from his end. And I'm just like, a lot of these people really do like they're crazy. Like they get out there in front of the camera and you're just like, man, you kind of got to be a little crazy in order to like want to do that stuff all the time. And unfortunately he's no exception. And here we are witnessing this ugly divorce. They've got like two kids, one on the way. And anyway, so it's one of those times where you just look at it and you're like, you're sad for everybody. But at the same time you look at him and you're like, yeah, well I definitely don't trust that guy and will not be putting any of my eggs in the Steven Crowder basket from now on. That's my takeaway. All right. (laughs) <laughs> okay i don't have anything <laughs> harper rant totally fine there's we're, harper's rant we're used to that um okay i didn't see it i've not never really been like i've seen his videos before but yeah nothing special yeah anyway nope uh do you have a people we can't be friends with uh nope so it's not, me not again. this week for me yeah i bet you can relate to this though this is a good one <laughs> i'm sure i will so, we get along for a reason. That's right. That's right. So it's people we can't be friends with. People I can't be friends with. Now, there are thresholds to this that we're going to go through. But have you ever played pickup basketball and you're not doing shirts and skins, so people are just wearing whatever? Well, how does that function so well? The idea that you can actually just play with whatever color shirt and you still kind of have a good idea who your team's on, who, who's on your team. Mm-hmm. Well... That honestly, you're probably using seventy to eighty percent of that body, like body language, how they're acting yeah. when you have the ball, who's making the cut, who's who's looking to be passed to, things like that, and then the guys that are just like actively playing defense that you're just kind of like noticing in your peripheral or maybe even straight on, you just know don't pass to them, right? Because if I'm new, if I don't know these guys that well, 
Like, that's just how it works. What right. I can't stand is the dude early on in a game, in a pickup game, where, like, off of a rebound, his team just shot it and they didn't get the rebound, and he goes to the guy that got the rebound, and he's like, hey, here, pass me the ball. And so the dude that gets the rebound is like, oh, yeah, and he passes in the ball, and then he's like, ha, gotcha. And it's like, no, 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 no. You are breaking a huge rule here. We're all playing with shirts on, different colored shirts. We're not using jerseys. And you're calling for the ball? Like, this is 80% body language, man. Like, freaking use your use your head. Like, that's so ridiculous. Like, you think because you got some savvy turnover because you called for the ball when this guy that you met two minutes ago had zero clue that you happened to be on his team because no jackass would actually call for the ball that wasn't on the team? That's that's a that's that's a big one, dude. That's so good. Am I am I, am I wrong? No, you're a hundred percent right. Like the yeah, like day hey, we're playing pickup basketball here. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, clean it clean it up. Oh, cool! You got one more steal to notch into your column. See how many sick, bro. Day. Guess that's what? Exactly, you know, I would a hundred percent drop that on him. You also ended one steal too for the day after yeah. six pickup well, games. I hope you feel good about yourself. Right. Well, first of all, I would have gave crap to the guy that we were playing against. I'm like, really? Like, what are we doing? Like, clean it up. 100%. Right? It's like the However, guy. It's also- if it was my boy that passed it to him, you better believe I'm going to give him crap too. Like, yo, what are you doing? Honestly, not like, as bad you- because you can, <laughs> I, I can kind of see where he's <laughs> coming the from. Ball. He's like, I'm not totally positive who's on my team, so I'm going off of body language here for like at least the first five minutes. But... The other guy, too, that I don't like is the dude that totally loafs it on defense and doesn't get back in time and then calls for the ball on a fast break. And you're like, are you serious? Dude, because here's the thing. I hate cherry pickers. If you don't get back in time, you do not deserve a fast break because that is not real basketball. Like you You can absolutely take off as soon as a shot is up. Take off. Take off. Try and gamble on your team getting the rebound and then seeing you streak down the court. Fine. I'm all for it. But... To be lazy and then try for a cherry pick, I'm like, this isn't even basketball. This is just ridiculous. And I can't stand that to the point where I get it when you lollygag on defense. You're just like, I honestly need a breather. It's not like we have subs. Like, we're just playing constant until this game's over. Like, okay, so maybe there's a couple times you don't get back on defense. If you don't get back on defense, and I've done, I've literally done this before. I'll, like, make it back somewhere between my three-point line and half court. And if they, we get a quick rebound, they see me. I won't call for it, but if they make the pass to me, I legitimately just dribble to wait for everybody because I'm like, I'm not taking those points. It's not. It, oh, see, they uh, I, no. I'm not. If I only get half, if I, if if I only get halfway back, you better believe I'm calling for the ball and, and taking it. Halfway is slightly more acceptable, but if I don't make it halfway and I'm like really close to the three point line, I st- honestly I still don't do it. If I if I was lazy on defense, I don't You're feel like nice. I deserve it. I just we, don't. We ain't, we ain't playing on the same team. That's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm def- I'm definitely yelling at you to go. Mm-mm. No chance. Yeah. No, dude. It's not. It's not. If we lose, if we lose because of that, you better believe I'm gonna I'm gonna be laying into you. Nope. It's not a valiant approach, dude. Because that was not the strategy. Yeah, you're you're, if the you're, strategy... you're on the same you're on the same level as Giannis when it comes to competitive nature. <laughs> if the if the strategy no what if but on the contrary I'm making it more competitive. <laughs> nope. Yep. I'm nope. making it more competitive. Nope. I'm not trying to game the nope. system. Nope. Oh, you're so wrong on that. It's unbelievable. 
you can agree with <laughs> oh my gosh. the basic rants there, though. I know you can. That, that was a good one. When I uh, thought of that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's money. Yeah, cherry, cherry pickers for sure. And then the just the clean it up, dude. Like, what are you? Yeah. That, that's such a high school move, right? It really like, is. That's a middle school move, right? Really like, is. this is very childish, childish thing. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear you. So, that's Glad. funny. What about simple pleasures? Those are good. Dude? I like those. Thanks, man. Oh, uh, dude. So, driving over to this house this morning. And, uh, lady mom, I don't don't know, mid forties, probably walking her, walking her chocolate lab. Okay. And chocolate labs do this or labs do this in general, I think. Um, but they grab the leash in their mouth. Right. And they like almost want to play. Right. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, absolutely. Where the dog grabs the leash in the mouth. Okay. All right. Uh, I didn't know if I was going crazy or something. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But she walks across the street to the crosswalk and they get to the sidewalk and this lab is like wanting to pull and like play with this toy or with the leash, right? So dog's like pulling on it, pulling on it, like, you know, whipping his head around, trying to pull it from, from the lady. And instead of the lady, like normally you would think that they'd be like, come on, like stop playing with it. Like, let's go, right? This mom was literally like, playing with the dog and like laughing at him and like what like what are you doing (laughs) like laughing and i'm sitting there in my car looking at the sidewalk at at the red light and i'm just dying laughing i'm like oh my gosh like how how awesome is that oh that that's a great way to start the day like seeing a, a, a a mom and the and the dog like playing i was just like oh my gosh this is so cool so enjoying having a dog just enjoying yeah enjoying it but like enjoying the moment right like not getting so pissed that your dog is like you know not wanting to go on this walk you know it's just like i was just like oh man that was so cool so it's just not not even a simple pleasure but just like a best thing i saw today type hey, thing i like so, it though so that, far. like that yeah i think that totally fits under the little feel good you know yeah, yeah feel good yeah so um mine's pretty easy and it is a simple pleasure and maybe a weird thing about me i don't know but i'm a I'm a big fan of the moon. <laughs> okay. So when the moon just like looks good one night, I'm always like, oh my gosh, well, look at the moon. Like I always have to point it out to people. I'm like, look at the moon. The other, like a couple weeks ago, it fit perfectly between um, it, the canyon, in, well, in the canyon, between the two nice. mountains for American Fork Canyon. It was this, and it was low on the horizon, so it was big and it was full. And I was like, that is magnificent. I was. I felt like Dwight on The Office looking at twins. He's like, hey, Michael, I just found some twins. And Michael's like talking to this girl. He's like, oh, you get it, twins. And so he leaves, and they look, and it's these two huge guys eating dinner together that look exactly like identical twins. And, and Michael's like, what in the world is this? And Dwight's like, aren't they magnificent? <laughs> That's like me with the moon like three times a month. I would say three times a month, two to three times, two to three times a month. And I'm like, wow, look at the moon. The moon's incredible. I don't know why, but I love it. There's so many jokes. All right. <laughs> but we won't, we won't, we probably don't have full, full moons. You're going to have to edit that out. I'm going to full moon. Live. I'm going to full moon Harper all the time. Please don't. <laughs> You said you love the moons. No. Nope. So any any listeners, you guys see Harper, you know, just full moon him. He loves it. No, please don't. I mean the one up in the sky. <laughs> anyway. 
Well, let's let's close it out here, man. Let's uh, get you, nature. Let's get the your best. spiritual thoughts going, bro. Um, so, word of wisdom, okay? Uh, the power and um that it has in, in, in some lives that I've seen recently. It, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, obviously Bryce coming back 160 days after having Tommy John surgery, you know, not drinking, not smoking, you know, eating healthy, you know, Wait, are you taking saying care of his body. When he plays in Toronto, he doesn't take advantage of the underage drinking laws. Uh, that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> You're welcome. We actually bank- I um, do really appreciate that, and we've actually never talked about that. So that was funny that we were <laughs> that we just did it, no problem. That's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that I think that was a huge factor in him being able to come back so quick. Um, and you know, it's our our bodies are temples, right? Like it, it we kind of get that from the word of wisdom, and you know, taking care of ourselves, and you know, making sure that you know we're we're healthy and be able to, you know, live this life without any major, you know, fingers crossed any, you know, knock on wood, any major, you know, medical issues. And if we put those things into play of our lives, like it, it, it truly does help. Um, I had a assistant coach, um, that coaches with me up at Las Vegas high school. Uh, he needed a new kidney, uh, last year and it was actually the, the end of 21 when they told him that and he was on this list and you know people when they're on those lists they you know it fluctuates on whether or not you're a a good candidate bad candidate things like that but he's a member of of the church as well and because he checked all those boxes of you know marking no right do you drink do you smoke do you you know do all this do you take care you know no 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 all that right um he saw the benefit because he, he climbed this list of, of needing a new kidney and all of a sudden February, March, I want to say somewhere in there, uh, rolls around and he gets a call at like 11 o'clock at night. Hey, we have a kidney. Uh, you're on, you know, you're on the top of the list. And you know, if you want it, you have to be at UMC, uh, hospital, uh, within the next like three hours or two hours or something like that. Otherwise it's going on to the next person. So, um, he got put up higher up on this list because he's such a good candidate. Right. However, which was even more mind blowing, this kidney came from California. Those California lists are jam packed with people, right? Like there's hardly ever, and, and learning from him about it. He's like, there's, there's never a, like body part that really comes out of California because those lists are just full and, you know, chock full of, of people. Sorry. That's um, a hilarious line. There's never a body part that comes out of California. Yeah. There's, it's true. But no, I, I get it, <laughs> it is true. It's very rare to see that happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but he, and he even said it too. He's like these doctors, you know, and the people that were in charge of this, you know, organ doning, you know, subsidiary i guess you could call it i don't know um but like they understood that he was going to be taking care of his body because of you know all these questions that he was able to answer and you know the fact that he went from being a really good candidate you know to an absolutely amazing candidate because he he lived the word of wisdom 
So yeah, it, it, it was it was really cool to see the added benefits of of you know taking care of yourself. And you had said this before when you talked about it, and you're just like it because the the chances are his body would not reject it. They were they're much yeah. higher, and that's the goal, yeah. right? Because these kidneys are so precious. Obviously, they come from people. Well, not kidneys necessarily every time, but sometimes and a lot of times for other organs that come from people that have deceased. And so they want to make sure it can be put to good use and be accepted by the next body that it goes into. And that's not always the case. So that makes sense that there's some intersections to being on a list, which is like, what are the likelihood that it would actually be accepted? And so that's why people like that get to the front of the list, which goes back to something that you had shared earlier too, which is what we've talked about before is that these commandments that we're given are not so that we can't go party, go have fun, go divert ourselves from the world and be a part of the world, right? It's, it's meant to protect us. It's meant to give us a better mm -hmm. chance at life. It's meant for us to be happier because then we can appreciate the other things that life brings us. We can spend more time with our families on this life, have a body, and experience more time with our bodies and our spirits together, which is more time for us to prove just how much we want to become like God, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, man. <laughs> Good sesh. Um, we're going to yep. go ahead and kick it to the interview that I did with Robert and Tom. It was a good time. You did not. You were not able to join us because you had some other circumstances going on in your life that you had to attend to with your profession. So yeah, we let you. We we excused you from this one, but we'll have yeah, you back I really on the next one. That. Um, at some point, Mother's Day is coming up, so we're yeah. I already threw this to my mom, and she's like, "Yeah, just let me know." I'm not sure what the format totally is going to be. It was more mm -hmm. your idea, so to have yeah. our moms. Yeah, so should should be either next week or the following week with Mother's Day coming up. So it's either going to be the tenth or the seventeenth. So check, be sure you're uh, on the lookout for for those ones. That'll be a special Mother's Day uh, edition of Latter-day Takes and, you know, kind of hearing our mother's opinions on us as men. That's so right. I think that's going to be the kind of the, the big gist of it. So, yeah, we'll see if they approve of us or not. <laughs> we'll see. Love it, brother. Well, thanks, thanks <laughs> right, again man. for tuning yeah. in to another week of Latter-day Takes, and we'll kick it to the other side. Yeah. Enjoy. See ya. All right, joining me on the podcast today, uh, two special guests for me specifically. One that I had as a professor at BYU and another that I worked under at BYU as a lab instructor, one of which is probably known for seeing the world as a broadcast journalist for KSL TV for a number of years and having a very recognizable voice, at least in my mind, and the other who's very well known for having the same name as a character in the the Harper Lee book, To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> we got Robert Walls and Tom Robinson joining us today. Two amazing men, two great professors who have their own podcast called It's Just Dinner, and we'll get into all of that here in a little bit. But thank you guys so much for joining me. How have you guys been, by the way? Really well. Great. Doing great. Loving life. Still at BYU. It's a great place to work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Actually, I've got some questions, too, about... BYU in terms of just I'm not I'm not looking to put you guys on the spot but just you guys have been professors at BYU for a while and it feels like there's been a lot of changes recently specifically but maybe we'll get into that 20, later maybe we 22 won't. years yeah 22 okay. years how yeah, about 20, you I've been here 22 years but I'm a lot older Tom Tom's just a kid yeah I've how been there for Tom? 20, 20 years 20 and 22 
Wow. Look at you guys. 42 years of professorial experience at BYU, specifically in the communications (laughs) program. I guess I should probably give that shout out too. So, Tom, you're still in advertising, I'm assuming? I teach advertising, yes. And Robert, your journalism. Anything? Do you have you? Oh, well, actually, I switched over uh, two years ago from I left journalism. Well, journalism left me. And, and so because of the nature of journalism, and the direction that our program was going, I couldn't do it anymore uh, ethically and uh, or emotionally. So I uh, switched over and I teach public relations now. No, which, you know, uh, what's funny for about two years. I made a similar switch. In my grad school programs, I, uh, I kind of went more on the PR side. Now, granted, I was an advertising undergrad, which I loved. I think the advertising program was – it was a really fun time. They do a great job with all that. I was right. I was uh, always highly entertained. I liked doing the assignments. It was weird. But anyway, uh, yeah. at but some point – I really I enjoy it's uh, It's a little bit more honest. At least you're telling people that you're advocating for – a third party. You're not pretending that you're being uh, balanced and fair. Well, it's funny you say that because that's actually what my dissertation is on. You might be interested to know that there's the hybrid occupation that exists now between PR and journalism. And I, I started to pinpoint that and I was like, we need to identify this so that way we can start to teach it, maybe grow some ethics and things like that. But that's neither here nor there. I don't think the audience is really interested in that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk later about that. Yeah, let's talk later. Absolutely. So, it's just dinner. From what I could gather, I pulled up an episode to listen to you guys. It was, I think, two episodes ago. It, it was titled, The Guys Give G- Dating Tips. And that's, I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, let's see what the experts have to say. Uh, from what I could gather from the episode, Tom, this was your conception. You, you wanted to start this podcast. Yeah, and we... Um, and Bob was a big part of this, that we were working with uh, the young adults at at BYU and we realized early on they weren't dating and uh, we tried to kind of figure it out we did a lot of research we did a lot of studying we came up with a lot of theories um, and it was basically they were just afraid to date they there were a lot of uh, factors of why they were afraid to do it and so we tried to solve it and so to solve it we just took dating out of the equation and so we said, look, don't go on a date. Just go out to dinner. And it, all of a sudden, it made it a lot easier. When we said, don't ask a girl out for a date. Everybody eats. You can you eat. She eats. So just go down and share a meal. And just say, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? And then go sit and talk. And you have a, have a conversation. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. Because it wasn't a date. It was just dinner. And so that's really where the whole concept started, was really to get people out of their apartment so they're not alone on Friday and Saturday nights, and they're sitting across from a real person, and they're looking into each other's eyes, and they're talking. And so that's really where the concept came from. I used to do, I used to be on the fireside circuit doing this, and I thought, hey, why don't I do a podcast? So I approached Bob, and he said, hey, let's do a podcast on this it's just dinner thing. So he thought it was a great idea, and we've been doing it ever since. And why Bob or Robert? Well, because to I, he was just uh, standing in the hallway one day, and I walked <laughs> after him. And... No, Bob was kind of, Bob was there the part of yeah. Bob was part of the whole thing. It was either that or community service picking up trash on the highway. So you know, I had to do one or the other. That was he nice. He was wearing a, a orange jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
the thing that we kind of discovered that the need for this and it we we thought it was reflective of our lds culture uh we've since learned that, that it this is a national and worldwide problem that dating has been diminished and what we discovered in our culture anyway be, um is that uh we found that a lot of the young men tom was serving as a as a bishop and i was in the state presidency of the ysa uh, stake and what we discovered was that a lot of the um, young men <clears throat> were afraid to date uh, for a variety of reasons. But the biggest reason is because that many of them had never been on a date prior to their missionary service. And so th they, they were told when they were growing up that uh, they shouldn't date and, and, you know, until they were 16. And then they were 16, they were told, well, either go on group dates or don't date at all. And then they come, they're on their mission and their mission president says, well, elder, now you need to go home and get married. <laughs> and, and so they went from zero relationships with women to trying to get married. And, and so that was a very awkward transition. And so they learned on their mission to contact, uh, commit, and then resolve differences. And so it wasn't uncommon for a return missionary to go on a first date with a girl and propose marriage. <laughs> and, and, and that really freaked the, the girls out because that, you know, that, that was moving way, way too fast. And, and so, uh, when they did that and they encountered that, you know, the women would say, no, you're, you know, you're, that's weird. Uh, they would just retrench and they wouldn't date at all. And, and so we had, you know, wards of kids who the, none of the girls were getting asked out on dates because the guys were afraid to ask them out. And the guys were sitting home playing video games and they, you know, you talk to them and they'd say, well, I'm not ready to date yet. Why? Well, because I'm not ready to get married. Okay. So, you, you know, when are you going to be ready to get married? And then what are you going to do? Go bag a wife? You know, you're going to go hunting for a wife. And, and so we believe that uh, we made some mistakes, not the, the church organization, but as local leaders and parents by pushing missionary service, which is a good thing, but we were so afraid of any speed bumps between the years of 12 and 18 that a girl would derail you. So we told the young man, just stay away from the girls. And, and you know, they're trouble. And, and, and so we didn't allow them to develop the, 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 the natural uh, uh, ability to communicate with members of the opposite sex, because we told them just stay away from them or go on a group date or something. And so it turns out that between 12 and 18 are some pretty formative years where you develop the ability to have conversations with members of the opposite sex. And so that's kind of the, the reason behind this podcast is that it's just dinner really means just conversation. So just go and have a conversation with a woman and learn how to talk to girls because you didn't do it when you were a teenager. So we apologize for all the bishops and youth leaders and parents who who, uh, you know, misinformed you that you shouldn't uh, get to know women and have, you know, premarital sex is a big concern and you know, nobody's advocating that. Uh, but uh, it's important to learn how to talk with women if you're going to plan on marrying one of them. And, yeah. and so that's what we push on this podcast is instead of uh, looking at this as a pursuit of marriage, Look at this as a pursuit of developing relationships. And, and so, really you know, like we study that. in communications, this development, you know, that you, 
you know, how do you develop a relationship? Well, you can't have commitment before you have compatibility. And so too much, we rush, rush, rush into a committed relationship before we've ever had a chance to explore if I'm compatible with this person. But we've found that if you just go to dinner and you spend an hour having a conversation and learning about yourself and learning about others, eventually you're going to find someone that you connect with and you're going to want to go on a second date and, and you know, and it's not like there's any prescription for falling in love. It just kind of happens. But the first step is relationship development. So that's what we, Tom and I push. No, One I, episode I right. at a time. We, yeah, there you go. Um, it's a great networking wow. tool, uh, quite frankly. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what it sounds like you guys are saying. Like at, the, at its bare bones, just get to know a new person. You're not you're not committing to anything right. like you said. That's why it's called It's Just Dinner, which is funny enough. After I heard that about this podcast and everything, I was like, I should start a podcast called It's Not Just Dinner. Subtitle, It's Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, see, that's kind of scary. You, 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 hear, you, you hear church leaders uh, sometimes say, um, every woman you look into her eyes and picture her as your eternal mate. I remember you saying Man, that, 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 that is a lot of pressure. It's intense. That, that is a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, so every girl you date, that means if you ask her on a first date, you're in, essentially proposing marriage for eternity. <laughs> wow. That's, well, I mean, that's pressuresome. And, and so, well, and there's, it, there's the other side too. Back let's, not, let's, let's not just drop it all on the guys. It's happening on the other side as well. Um, the, the girls yeah. are going out with someone and then immediately they think that guy is the one. They think he wants to marry them. And so the guys are afraid to ask out because of that, that reason as well. Because if I ask you out on a date, all of a sudden everybody thinks we're an item and that we're going to get married. So it's much easier for me just to not ask you out. And to for us just to stay single, stay apart, because I don't want anybody to think we're in a relationship. And so there's some really dysfunctional stuff going on. And one of the things over the years Bob and I have learned is that this dysfunction is not just happening within our church culture. It's happening all throughout the United States. Men and women don't know how to date each other. They're afraid. They don't understand commitment rules. They don't understand what's acceptable or what's not acceptable. And so they're just not dating. They're staying home on Friday and Saturday night alone. And I think to me, that's the most horrifying thing about dating right now is that really good men and really good women are sitting home alone um, all by themselves on Friday night, uh, being bored and, and certainly being depressed. And so we're hoping this podcast is kind of breaking down some of that and allowing people or giving them the, the understanding that if you just ask someone to go out to dinner, you can go and have a meal and talk to someone and talking to someone and having a meal with them is way more fun than sitting home alone. Oh, it's more fulfilling, too. You feel like you've accomplished something by doing that. I actually totally agree. I, so part of the issue, I think, is that we're inundated with distraction. I mean, we, never more have we had a way to entertain ourselves than now. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's why ratings are going down for big sports events just gradually because people just have more options to do other things. But... We've, when it comes to how entertaining these things are, this is a very low bar. This is a low threshold. It doesn't take much 
to want to say, you know what, I'd actually maybe rather watch the game tonight. But that's because we redefined the definition of what is the most fulfilling aspect of one's life. And that is, we got to reemphasize having a family. Yeah. You and, ne- like, well, Harper, I think those are excuses. And I think, I think we're, I would, I would agree. Sometimes they can be. Absolutely. I think we're full of excuses in our life. And that is, well, I really don't want to go on a date, but I'll, I'll just stay home and watch this game. Or, oh, I really want to go hang out with my friends. Or, you know, I really don't. It's a have safety money. net. Yeah. Or there's another distraction. Those are excuses. If you want to go out with someone, if you want to hang out with someone, then you go find someone to go to dinner with and quit making excuses. And certainly in Bob and my world, we are around all these kids all the time and we hear every excuse in the book. And that's exactly what they are. They're excuses. Everyone has um, within them the desire to hang out with someone of the opposite gender and to talk to them, to get to know them, not not to get married right away, but certainly to talk to them and to have fun with them. And if you're not doing that, you're finding excuses to not do that. Well, and I would also say, too, and this is I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent off of what you're saying, but at the very least, it's like a networking thing where if this girl, if, if you're not finding yourself not very interested in her or she may not be interested in you, well, she knows at least 10 girls. And you just kind of build off from there. And I've actually, so, I I mean, I think you guys know, but I'm 35 and still single. So, also, I came, I had you guys come on this pod to tell me everything I'm doing wrong in life. But what's funny is that... I I made a list before I started this. uh, Oh, good. Yeah, we'll get to that. That'll be the next segment. Um, So, I, what's funny is that you actually do start to figure these things out. And you're like, yeah, it is pretty low pressure. I get it. But at the same time... Then you realize, oh, I actually have much bigger problems than just ask, take, asking girls out, becoming friends with girls and things like that. So still working on those and whatnot. But um, I have used that tool plenty of times where girls that I've taken out before that I still have a good relationship with that I've seen in friendly circumstances without the, any conceived pressure of a date, which there isn't much right there, quite frankly. But how can this girl set me up with potential dates in the future that's happened plenty of times and it's been really nice because they know how i am as a dater so they can trust me so they know they can trust me to treat their friends well and you just kind of build off of that so totally agree that this should just happen from a networking perspective alone to just get you to meet more people more women specifically absolutely exactly and 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 to answer your question of what you're doing wrong the answer is is nothing uh, more than 50% of the church is single. There's nothing wrong with being single. And, and we, we have this uh, idea that everyone has to fit into the same little box. Well, they don't. Uh, some people get married young. Some people get married older. Some people don't get married at all. A- and it's fine. A- and God loves all of us no matter what we do. And and putting pressure on people to get married is actually worse than, than in many cases, for having them stay single. Because a lot of times what people do is they get married for reasons other than that they're compatible with, with their, their spouse. And so then they get married and, and they move into a situation where now it's a more serious thing. So, so the worst uh, outcome of this can be divorce. Because divorce is damaging to so many people. And so when people feel the pressure, I need to get married, I need to get married, you know, because I'm 21, so I'm, I'm 24, you know, some of our students at BYU are graduating, they're 24 and they're not married and they think that they're spinsters, you know. And so it's funny to put it in perspective. 
you know, to say you're 30 or 40 or 50 and not married, and so you're going to rush out and marry someone just so you can say, well, I'm married, generally it doesn't work out well. And, and so it's yeah. better to just relax and, and be confident in who you are and your position in life rather than thinking that you have to um, fit into some kind of a, uh, a form, formula that everyone else is, is fitting into. I mean, uh, President uh, Oak's wife, I think she was quite a bit older when they got married. And, and so uh, she gave a, you know, a, a good speech on this about not having a letterman's jacket and feeling you know, outside. But, but the, the important thing to do is to have conversations with a variety of different people and get to know them so that when you do uh, develop a relationship, it's going to be a long lasting relationship. Uh, you, you know, think of what divorce does to children. So somebody's in pressure, they get married and they're not, you know, there's really not compatible with this person, but they felt the pressure because of our society to get married. They have kids and then the kids grow up and then they get divorced. Divorce devastates children. Children bring, you know, long-term scars uh, into their adulthood because of their parents getting divorced. And so we need to be more thoughtful. Of course, we need to be good people. And, you know, generally good people can work things out. And that's a lot what marriage is. But I found that I've served as a bishop twice. And divorce is the worst outcome that we see. And so we've got to be more uh, intelligent about the way that we select the people we're going to marry rather than just rushing into it and, and say, you know, looking in their eyes and saying, well, this is my eternal mate. You know, we knew each other before we were born and that can happen. But a lot of times it doesn't. It's just because we're feeling the pressure because of our society to be married like everybody else is. And so I think that's one of the messages that we want to get across is that that's why you just need to relax and find, and if you get married, great. If you don't, your life is still going to be great. You know, the, well, and, there's and so, a caveat to that that you had mentioned, and it's being confident in who you are. And it takes a lot of intellectual right. honesty to even get to that point. And that's that's what's been helpful yes, for me personally is understanding how I stand in the grand scheme of things. It's like, yeah, I'm not married. So honestly, my self-worth is not really tied too much to that, fortunately. But that's a lot because of my own mm -hmm. relationship with my Savior. He has helped me so much right. in terms of just seeing me how he sees me, seeing myself how he sees me, and knowing that even though right. I, I may not be progressing in that sense, I can at least, at the very least, progress in the next life. But beyond that, I can progress in other ways now and be formidable and make an impact and help others and bring people to him and whatever right. else, just because I don't have offspring coming. Right. Um, what's this 26-minute rule that you guys talk about? <laughs> okay, it's not necessarily a rule, but, uh, but you know, because we're uh, college professors, we base most of our uh, conversation on research. And there was research that, that was done by um, others where they estimated that a, the average date lasts for 51 minutes. And, and, and so mm -hmm. they surveyed, I think it was thousands of participants, and the average date lasted 51 minutes. And in the first 25 minutes, I'm sorry, 26 minutes, if there was a spark, that meant that there would likely be a second date. And if there was no spark in the first 26 minutes, the last 25 minutes was just biding your time to get out of it. 
you're you're just treading water to get out of it. So this is actual science. And so the first 26 minutes, this is actual science. The, the first 26 <laughs> minutes of the day is the key time to create a spark. So a spark is anything that is intriguing. It, it could be um, something that you have in common. It could be something that you find uh, interesting about this person, even though it might not be a physical attraction. But there's something in that first 26 minutes that happens between these two people that they say, I'd like to see them again. And if That's that spark cool. happens, then, then there's likely a second date. And so what is the spark? And, and so that's what we've uh, identified is how do you create the spark? And so, and sometimes it just naturally happens. <clears throat> Two people get together and they find they have things. I was going to say, isn't it mostly, isn't it organic? Like um, the it, spark is it, the best form of a spark is mainly organic. Exactly. But, but there are, because we are working with a dysfunctional community of kids who never learned how to communicate, we have to have some uh, remedial education. So, so the first thing that we, average, uh, that we advocate to create a spark is first to make eye contact. Because a lot of times, if you aren't familiar with communicating with people of the opposite sex, especially men to women, women uh, gain trust through eye contact. And if a guy can't look them in the eyes and maintain eye contact, it's hard to have that spark. Hmm. And so a lot of times guys are really nervous when they're going on a first date. And so they're afraid to make eye contact. But that is one of the keys of creating a spark is to make eye contact with the person that you're talking to. Um, the, the, the second thing is what we call active listening. And that means to really listen to what the person is saying. So a lot of times you're nervous and you're afraid there's going to be this dead airspace. And so you're coming up with, well, what's your favorite color? You know, what's your favorite food? And you're not listening to their responses. And so if you're actively listening, the conversation will be natural because you're responding to their, what they're saying. You know, they're not saying something and then you're not, it's not an interrogation. It becomes a conversation. So you need to actively listen. Uh, the other thing is to make genuine, authentic compliments because that makes the other person feel good when you can compliment them about things in a unique, uh, uh, general way. And then uh, the fourth thing that we talk about is appropriate touch. Uh, you know, there's inappropriate touch, but there's appropriate touch that, conveys interest, you know, touching someone on the hand, touching someone on the shoulder, uh, both males and females, because that indicates that you are interested in getting to know them better. And, and so those seem like kind of um, very elementary things, but a lot of the, the, you know, if you've never been on a date from the time you were 12 until you're 22 years old, you don't understand those things. And so it's good to think about those things before you go in. So we tell people if you go on a lot of dates and you practice those four things, you're going to get a lot better at developing relationship than, than, than if you just sit home and don't do anything. That's good. I, I, I'm, get, I'm going to title this episode Dating 101 because these are like this is kind of the 101 <laughs> thing, the threshold that you need in order to like yeah. build off of something. Tom, you were going to say something earlier along those lines. What was I, think, I think Bob missed the number one thing that we found to create a spark, and that's humor. Um, and oh, that's right. Yeah, I did. We found that the, that the key indicator as to whether or not there's a spark is humor. 
Uh, we like the people that make us laugh. And uh, we, we talked about self-deprecating humor is usually the funniest. And so if you get a conversation going and you can make the other person laugh, or you can make them smile, that really early on indicates that there, there either is a spark or there might be a spark between the two of you. That's interesting. That, that does make a lot of sense. I mean, we, we do gravitate. Episode, we did a whole episode on this, too. So you can go back and listen to the It's Just Dinner podcast about our humor. And were, did you give, like, tips on, on, on how to be humorous and things like that? We were just ourselves. Yes, we, yes, we it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. You just and, and, and you know, we, uh, we, it's just hilarious. We, we, we think we're hilarious. Um, but if you get into the science of it, it's really interesting that uh, your brain has the capacity to release hormones into your blood system. And one of the strongest uh, endorphins that you get is uh, in humor. And so when someone says something that you find funny, it, it gives you this sensation of happiness. And, and, and people like to laugh. That's a fun thing. When you say something and other people laugh, it gives you this same uh, hormone injected into your blood system that gives you pleasure. And it also relaxes you. And so when you're in a nervous situation and someone says or does something that's funny and you laugh, it breaks the tension. And it endears people to you because they, if you said something funny once, you're likely going to say something funny again. So most women, including Tom Robinson's wife, say that the reason that they wanted to go on the second date was because they made them laugh. Isn't that right, Dr. Robinson? That's correct. Well, what was it that yeah. you, do you remember what you said and, that and made her so, laugh the first time? It's just, you know, that's just my personality, Harper. I'm just, I'm hilarious. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> A lot of times humor, uh, you know, if you say, well, let me tell you a knock-knock joke, <laughs> this is not going to work, you know, or, or uh, you know, like a setup joke usually is net, but usually situational things where you show that you're uh, self-deprecating, that you can make fun of yourself. And there's a lot of confidence uh, Those are usually the things that work. Yeah, and it shows confidence. So there's a lot of things that you do to show confidence when you meet uh, another person, and that's what generally uh, men and women both want is they want to be with somebody who's confident about who they are and, and, and their, themselves. Um, another thing that uh, we do is... Well, and there's a transparency there too, which right. I think is huge, which conveys trust as well, because you're right. being honest about your deficiencies. Right. And, and another thing that we do is talk about... Uh, on, online dating has become uh, a norm uh, and so a lot of people meet on, on online. And so um, mutual has become very common in the LDS culture. Uh, you know, just as a side note, it's interesting, you know, Tinder ha has become somewhat of a hookup site, uh, you know, outside oh, of uh, the, the LDS culture where people meet in the expectation is that you're going to uh, meet someone on a first date and have sexual relations. And so because of that, that's one of the reasons that dating has become dysfunctional nationally is because a lot of people don't want that. And so they're afraid on, on dating sites that they're going to be pressured or the, the expectation is that when they go out with someone that they're going to have sexual relations on the first date. And so they choose not to date. Uh, the other factor nationally is that in the workplace, people used to meet people in the workplace and date people that they worked with. And now, for good and bad reasons, 
you know, if you ask somebody out on a date that you work with, you could be called into human resources. And, and so people are afraid to, to make relations with people they work with. And, you know, we had the, the Me Too movement, and, and there's a lot of good with that because people shouldn't be pressured at work to date people, you know, because of their job. But, but it's also made people leery of asking people out that they work with. And so where do you meet women? The gym? Well, that's not that great. Bars? Well, that, that's not great. And so it's become more difficult for people nationally to meet people, uh, e even though, you know, we have uh, social media um, uh, apps to do that. So in the LDS culture, we talk a lot about on our podcast of how you put together your profile. And we bring in experts and people who, who, who do this to talk about making sure that you're authentic from the very beginning and that you're not portraying yourself as someone that you're actually not. And, and so you, you really, because a lot of people meet now in online, that has to be a factor of how do you present yourself uh, in your profile. And so we do a lot of discussion about that and we bring in, uh, we just the other day had an expert on a lady who is a professional uh, what does she call herself? A dating um, confidence coach. Uh, confidence coach, and so she she works with people professionally and helps them put together their profiles so that they are attracting someone that they're more likely to have uh, compatibility with. How about that? And have there been any? What's the kind of what's the feedback that you guys get with this podcast? And and have there been some success stories of people coming back saying, "Hey, this has been." Amazing. I employed some of your suggestions oh. and here I am on date number six or whatever. I mean, I think yeah. your podcast is a little too fresh for any marriages, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, you're wrong. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah no, well, you're wrong. Um, but I mean, it's <laughs> constant. It's constant how many people come up to us and say, hey, I tried this and it worked. You know, hey, I was I was nervous about dating. And so I asked this girl or I asked this guy to go out to dinner with me and we had so much fun. And it's so successful. Um, we even um, had an event back in August. Is that right, Bob? Where we uh, were over on campus and we were playing uh, cornhole. And I talked this guy into finding a girl to play cornhole with. He went out and found this girl. And they played cornhole and they won. And I gave him a gift card. And I said, look, I'm going to give you this gift card and I expect you to go out. You will. You guys agree to go out and use this gift card. And they said yes. Well, then come January, he comes into my office and he said, hey, we went out to get a drink. It was going so well. We like hung out the rest of the night. Then we started dating and we just got engaged. Um, no way. All from, all from it's just cornhole. So it, I mean, <laughs> we, we've, had, we've had so many experiences where people say that they can't believe how easy it is and how well it works. So I don't think we would continue to do this if we didn't think that it was working and we weren't getting such positive feedback from it. Uh, on the other side, when you, you measure success, <clears throat> uh, there's a number of female students who uh, have talked to me who said, I listened to your podcast and I started asking guys out. And now my life is really great. I don't have a serious relationship but I'm no longer afraid to ask guys out because we had this kind of stigma in our culture that women can't ask men out. And we really, we try to break that uh, stigma to say, you know, in today's world, it's fine for women to ask guys out on dates. 
And so for a lot of women, that's very freeing because now they don't have to sit home. They can actually go and pursue. So we've had some of our um, female students come back and they've gone on, uh, you know, like a date a week for a year, <laughs> you know, and, and so they wow. really change. And so they feel they don't have a serious relationship yet and they're not married and they're fine with that. But they're enjoying the process of getting to know other people. And they're not sitting home alone waiting for some guy to call them. They're actively going out and pursuing. So they face the same things that guys face. They ask someone out and some say no, but most say yes. And they go out and they spend an hour and they have fun. And the, the worst that they have is a good meal and a good conversation. And, and so they found that to be very emotionally freeing rather than sitting around thinking, what's wrong with me? which a lot of the, the, the young women do, they're going out and they're pursuing relationships and friendships with people and having fun. And so that's really rewarding. It doesn't have to result in marriage. It just has to result in relationship. And okay. relationships then eventually turn to marriage. You know, and I think we've given young women the permission to start asking guys out. And we had, I think you listened to the podcast, we had three guys on and all three of them yeah. said they would love it if a girl asked them out on a date. Um, and so, and said they even would never say no if a girl asked them on a date. So we really Which, encourage... Which, by the way, never, never seemed a little extreme. Yeah. I'd say maybe 90% of the time for sure not, but never. Well, again, here's the thing, Harper. If you think of it as going out on a date, yeah, you might say no. But if you think of it as I'm just going to go out to dinner and I'm going to get to know this person, then why would you say no? It's just dinner and you're going to eat anyway. And I always say guys are like hobbits. They can eat uh, dinner one and dinner two. So it doesn't matter if they've already eaten. They'll eat again. So yeah, if you, if true, you go especially in, back then. your mindset when you go into this, it depends on your mindset when you either when you accept the date, because if it's. Or you accept a dinner. It's like, okay, well, we're just going to go out to dinner. We're going to get to know each other. And then realize it's not a date. It's just dinner. And so you can't think, if you're the if you're the woman or the man, you can't think, oh, well, this is going to be my internal companion. No, it was just dinner. It was just an opportunity for you to get to know each other. And so, yeah, just say yes and go hang out. And if it gets creepy from there, then be brave enough or smart enough to be honest with the person. Yeah. Um, also from that episode, um, there was some insight. I can't remember his name that you guys were really hot on. I, I'm glad you keyed in on it. And it was really well stated by him. He said the fear of rejection is outweighed by the fear of never doing anything. Right. Or the pain of never doing fear anything. Of regret. Fear of regret. That was it. Fear of regret. And it was really well stated by him because I, I, I think that in – in life in general, we actually have to shape, reshape a lot of the way we think about these things. And I've actually used that same kind of concept when it comes to fitness, where it's like the you have to change indulging in certain desserts or certain types of food. And the feeling that it, you feel when you eat that has to be outweighed by the feeling you feel of having not eaten it and having gone to the gym and things like that. It's just the feeling of being in shape should feel better than any dessert can ever make you feel. And it was kind of that similar idea where it's like once you kind of change that paradigm, it becomes a little bit more helpful where you're just like that, that does change my mindset. And I get that, that never having tried means 
I don't care enough. I, I, I don't care enough to actually try and progress in this way. And so right. that's that. But it was well, well stated by him. Sharp young man. All right. So to kind of close this out here, um, I'm curious. For one, I mean, I, it, congratulations to you guys for having the success you've had. That's amazing. I'm excited to see what that couple that you helped set up to get engaged and get subsequently get married. I'm excited to see whose name comes first when they name their son. Is it going to be Tom Robert or Robert Tom? No, it'll be Thomas Robert. (laughs) Thomas Robert. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's so we'll see. Anyway. Um, I'm curious, but he'll go by Bob. What's that? He'll go by Bob. He'll go by Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, thank you both for coming on before we close out though. There's a couple things I like to ask all my guests. Um, I, I'm curious because both of you, I, uh, Tom, are you a bishop now? No, I was. You were okay. Yeah. I thought I caught that on an episode. And then Robert, you mentioned your bishop, and I knew that as well. So obviously, you guys mm-hmm. um, have a way of going about your studies. And one question I like to ask all my guests is, how do you study the gospel, the scriptures, and just kind of what your process is? I'm kind of curious. I like gleaning new things from people. I already know everything about the gospel, so I don't have to study it anymore. Oh, okay then. <laughs> and I'll just he writes the gospel now. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's a it's a never ending process. And a couple of things. One, my wife and I are very diligent about reading the Book of Mormon, um, and we read every night. Plus, um, we learned um, one of the good things that happened during COVID is we learned that we could do a lot of things on Zoom. And while there for a while, we were having sacrament meeting with my sister down in Phoenix and all of her family. And so we've kind of continued that on. And we do come follow me every Sunday through Zoom. Um, and it's been amazing when you do that, how closely you get ingrained in the scriptures, because now we're doing the New Testament. So I learned so much um, every week about studying um, the Savior and studying his life. And, and then also um, going to church. And I tell my kids this all the time at school. I said, you you got to go to church. And it's more about feeling the Spirit, not only, I should say, mostly about taking the sacrament, but then about feeling the Spirit of everyone else that's there. And then I think Bob would agree, we're very fortunate that every day at our job, we get to learn about the Savior. Um, we get to pray in class, we get to talk about our testimonies, and we get to feel the kids' spirit. So... I'm very fortunate to be around the gospel all the time. And Robert, what about your approach? I'll, I'll uh, jump in. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit of probably of an outlier. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm 66 years old, and so I, you know, I've done a lot of different things, you know, and I love reading the scriptures and reading the Book of Mormon, especially. But I, I found a lot uh, as far as my spiritual growth that that is really inwardly focused. And so several years ago, I made a concerted effort to be more outwardly focused. And so I find that every day I try to find a video on YouTube or on Facebook that makes me feel the light of Christ or the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is a testament of Christ. Uh, the, the light of Christ is, uh, you know, things that are Christ-centered principles, love, compassion, kindness, and when I watch those, it kind of makes me cry because I feel the love of Christ when I watch them. And so I look for those every day, and every day I try to share those directly with people I know. 
I send you a lot of text messages, uh, Harper. That's how we stay yeah. in touch. And so when I find something that's uplifting, I share it with other people. And I found that that has broadened into it makes me want to serve other people that I'm around. And so I, I like reading the scriptures because it, it, it teaches me about Christ. But I find when I put that into practice and I actually do service for other people, then that brings me closer to Christ. I, I feel the Holy Ghost more intently when I'm serving others than when I'm just reading. Sometimes I'll admit to you when I read the scriptures in the morning, I'm just reading words and I'm just getting through the chapters that I need to get through. And so it's not as effective as putting it into application. And I think that's what President Nelson foresaw us with ministering is just serving and loving the people that you're around. And then the other thing that I've done is probably a little different is about six years ago, I got heavy into the practice of yoga. And in yoga, you have a meditational period, which I have found to be very valuable because a lot of times before I didn't have time to really meditate. I'd get up and I'd read the scriptures and then I'd have breakfast and rush off to work and I'd check the boxes that I had done everything. But I really didn't set aside time, you know, 15, 20 minutes to just think about my relationship with God and my relationship with other people and how those connected. And so I found that in yoga, it kind of forces you to do that. And I found that to be very productive, to just have time to set aside, to meditate and think about what's important to me in life and think about how important my relationship with Christ is. And so I, I've, I've kind of experimented with those over the last several years. And I found that in addition to reading the scriptures, I'm probably not as dedicated on reading the scriptures as I have been in the past, but I find that I feel the presence of the light of Christ or the Holy Ghost almost every day of my life when I use that to serve others in real time. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense to me, and I love it because both of you gave very different answers, and that's what it is, right? Everybody has their own approach, and I like that's why I like hearing more about it. Oh, I would also say that and I think Bob would agree that um, the fact that we do this podcast, we see it more as a calling than we do something uh, fun that we're doing. We feel like that we've been asked to do this, um, that we have been asked to help people to um, to not be lonely and to uh, get out and meet people. And so one of the reasons why we keep doing this is because we feel like we've been we've been asked or called to do it. Wow, that's great. And I love Tom, that too. Tom was asked by uh, God to do this. I was asked by Tom to do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So you're his first counselor. Easy enough. Um, so as we kind of close out here, I'm kind of, Tom, you'd mentioned just kind of working at BYU gives you kind of this awesome opportunity to feel that spirit on a more regular basis. Is that, what was with the, just real quick, because I'm curious, because I've never actually kind of looked into this. You, as a member of the church, you need to have a temple recommend to be a professor now. Is that a new thing? I thought that was always a thing. Yeah, we always thought it was something too, but I guess they've made it at least formal now. And we've had to in an agreement that we're going to do that. But I think Bob, Bob and I always thought that it was a thing. Um, yeah. So it's something we always thought was the case, but now they, they formalized it. It's just a slight change in the wording. And that was before it said you had to live your life consistent with having a temple recommend. And now ah. it says you have to have a temple recommend. 
And, and so that's the big change that they made. It's really not a, a, a big deal for the university or most people. I think that's just, there might've been some people who were just kind of writing that line who were, uh, you know, saying that they were living their life consistent with it, but they didn't really have a, you know, their bishop wouldn't give them a temple recommend. And, and so I think the university just kind right, of- Right, and they weren't going to church potentially. Correct. So it's not a big change, but it's it's always been, you know, our understanding that everyone who works or teaches at BYU has to be an active member of the church who holds the temple recommend, and that's the way that it is now. So they asked us all to sign the new agreement, you know, with that word change, and so everybody did, you know, the, everyone that I know did, because that's the way we always thought it was. So I think it got more play outside than it probably deserved. Yeah, I was I was surprised to hear that because I was like I, I thought that was always a thing, and I guess it's kind of like Clark Gilbert coming in and and really just starting to enforce that. Which I don't know why you'd want to teach at a university that's a private institution tied to a church and not be fully ingrained into that church if you are a member of that church. Now I understand you can have outsiders that teach that aren't members, different different ideas, or I guess different philosoph not philosophies, but. They may have different backgrounds, but that's okay as long as they respect and adhere to those values. It all comes out okay. But if to be in the church but not of the church and teaching in an institution, I don't know. I was always a little weirded out by that. So I was just kind of curious to pick your brains on that really quickly. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Could not appreciate it more. I know your time is valuable, and uh, you're obviously doing great things. And uh, you guys will both be aware when uh, when the time comes, when when my name gets called, and I finally take that marriage step. You will both be in the loop there, and I'll be I'll be happy to announce it to both okay. of you. Hey Harper, just remember it's not a day just dinner. Sorry, what was that, Tom? I said just remember it's not a date; it's just dinner. <laughs> you had so to throw that in there. Just go out to dinner and have fun. You know, we, we always say that uh, dating is a happy consequence of going out to dinner and marriage is a happy consequence of dating. We don't know how it works, but we just know that it works. So just have fun. Enjoy the ride. All right. What's your advice to me, Robert, before we close out? Uh, you know, Harper, we've been good friends and I know that you're confident in who you are. And I think that's the advice that I give to everybody is uh, look inside first and and realize that you're a, a son of God and God has a plan for you and have faith that that plan is moving forward and don't worry about it. And, and everything's going to work out uh, for all of us. And, and the worst thing that we can do is panic and and lose our trust in God that he has, he has a plan for us. And I think that's what everyone needs to realize is that whether you're married or you're single or, you know, whatever situation you're in, that we're all children of God and he has a plan for us and he loves us. And when we panic and we make decisions based on panic or fear, they never seem to work out well. And, and Harper, it's funny. I ran across your mom at the store here in Draper and she knew I was coming on the podcast and she said, could you please help him get married? So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that's true <laughs> there's no way that's true uh, but she would if she could she would she would pay you both oh, hefty sums to make sure that were to happen but unfortunately uh, well, you do an arranged marriage like the Hindus yeah right uh, honestly I look at it as uh, I'm I'm my own worst enemy but that's a good thing I, I, I mean that in the sense where it's like I know 
a little bit more about myself and what I have to do to make those adaptations. And I think I've been doing that pretty well, and I am confident. And I like the approach that I've been in. To me, the most important thing is my relationship with the Savior, and from there, just all he'll guide me along. So appreciate you both for coming in, and also those was great advice. So thank you for taking the time and taking a second. It was great connecting with you both again. It's been forever since I've seen you. Um, but, Robert, you have been great about just sending those lovely text messages, like holidays and things like that. It's always a nice, pleasant surprise to see that. So, anyway, great seeing you guys in person or over Zoom or Riverside and and connecting again. Hope Wish you all the best. Yeah. You too. And Thanks tell so your much. Listener listen, tell your listeners to listen to the It's Just Dinner podcast. That's right. Please check them out. It is worth it. You guys do a good job. I like the forum that you had with the with the three guys to come defend guys when it comes to dating, and they did do a pretty good job. So it's a fun format. It's easy to listen to. I, I will say it is absolutely easy to listen to, and it's worth the time. Thank you. Thanks. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for checking in, everyone. If you liked what you heard today, I ask super quickly if you could just follow or subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating, give it a review, tell your friends about it. All of that stuff helps me quite a bit. Watching the growth has been super humbling and motivating to keep going, and I could not possibly appreciate all of you more. Sitting on my table, I'm watching Cause everything's changing my mind Goes to a different time Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you If it takes time